0: Today's Animal Spirits is brought to you by our friends at YCharts. YCharts recently published a blog diving into the debate between value versus growth. They took a look at strategies, insights, and trends dating back to the early 1980s, both stocks and ETFs, to help you decide which equity class is best for your investment goals. Whether you're team value or team growth, you'll get details as to how you can leverage Charts to create side-by-side reports, Build custom score models and illustrate risk versus reward with the scatter plot tool to analyze the performance of either exposure.
1: One of my favorite charts in here, they did, it's going back to like 1984. And they did the Russell 1000 growth versus the Russell 1000 value. And they have the rolling five-year total return charts, which is pretty cool. The the ability to do a rolling chart like this is cool because you can see when the divergences happen, like in 2000, of course, and then in 2005, you know, growth first and value. Now back to growth, but the average return for these, for the average five-year return is almost identical between growth and value. It's, it's a little over 11% since the mid-80s per year. And I'm guessing that if you would have done like a 50-50 growth value in rebalanced, you probably, probably would have done even off. better.
0: <laughs> you know, I no like one, these charts. I no actually do that. I make these by hand. You see the one on the bottom pane? So you've got the rolling five-year and then you've got the difference to really like bring it to life.
1: Yes, you like the spreads. Yes, Love this, is a, this is a really cool spread chart. guy. Yes. I, I probably don't use these rolling annualized returns enough on White Am I more of a spread, spread
0: guy or a dump guy? You know, I've been to the dump like three days in a row. <laughs> okay. Just cleaning house. I love All it. Right. Love it.
1: Fall cleaning. Good for you. All right. We got a link below if you're on YouTube or on our show notes if you're listening on the podcast, 20% off if you tell y Animal Spirit sent to you for your initial subscription sign-up. Welcome to Animal Spirits, a show about markets, life, and investing. Join Michael Batnick and Ben Carlson as they talk about what they're reading, writing, and watching. All opinions expressed by Michael and Ben are solely
0: their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to Animal Spirits with Michael and Ben. Happy middle-aged week to Ben. Ben uh, was uh, Thursday was your birthday, and you turned forty. What? Two. Forty-two. Forty-two. How does it feel?
1: That's p- probably exactly middle-aged,
0: right? If we're if we're hedging well, here. no. From- maybe literally middle-aged. Although we already we already decided middle-aged is your fifties. I
1: didn't know we decided that.
0: Well, I, we decided. I decided. No, the, the internet decided for us. You know, I've, I had something of a middle-aged moment, too, actually. I hurt my shoulder, and I don't know how I did it, so I'm just going to assume that I was sleeping.
1: Okay. This is what happens. Like a,
0: like, a, like a clicking thing. You wake up sore. Five? No, but it's been like three, three, four weeks. Saturday night, it's 1130. I've already been asleep for over an hour. I'm in a deep sleep. I might have might have drank earlier than the day all of a sudden, I hear a knocking on my door. And I immediately, credit to me, pop up and run downstairs. I'm like, what the hell? So I get back up, open the door. Nobody's there. Get back upstairs. Ask my wife. Like, I'm like, look at the camera. Who was that? Neighbors.
1: Little Ding rascals, dong ditch?
0: Little rascals. Playing, playing <laughs> it. What, wait, what did you call it? Ding, Ding dong ditch. Di- I call it ring and run. Ring okay. and run. Ding yeah. dong ditch. Same thing?
1: Ding dong ditch. Yeah, you ring the doorbell or knock on the door and you run away. Yeah.
0: So- like five minutes later, they did it again. This time I run downstairs and out the door <laughs> in my undies. Did you yell at them? <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, I couldn't find them. They scattered like ants. I saw them like hiding by the bushes. Okay. And I said, Knock it off, kids. Yeah, my ring camera has got you. Yeah. I'm show
1: your parents. All right. Uh, I got no the middle aged takes. That's uh, I, I, did, I did write a blog post though about I've been thinking about how much different entertainment options for me and my kids are because I'm, I'm making the case in a blog that streaming services should be pricing higher like there's those charts of showing streaming prices going up they should be way higher if you think about how we consumed entertainment in the past you'd walk around Blockbuster Video on a Friday night and there might be seven copies of a new release movie and if they're all out you'd have to go like look through the return bin to see if it was there they might have one copy of an old movie like, I don't, I don't think people realize how great they have with streaming. Definitely not. Do you, not. Do you remember Columbia House for getting CDs? You would pay one penny to get like 10 or 12 CD. Yeah. And then they'd send you something every month. And if you didn't send it back to them, then you had to buy the CD.
0: For like $24.
1: I would forget it all the time. And I have to buy like the CD the month that I didn't want. I'm just saying technology has improved so much for entertainment options that people don't realize how good they have it these days.
0: Over the weekend. It was weekend. way harder in the 90s. My kids are getting into Ninja Turtles. We haven't seen the new one yet, but I'm very very excited to see it. So I showed them the originals, at least as far as the originals to me. One of the first was like 1989, I think. The second one was 1991. Fun fact, I had my sixth birthday party at the movie theater. We saw Secret of the Ooze.
1: Okay. Was that before or after you saw what movie did you see at five years old? Your- <laughs> Field of Dreams.
0: <laughs> Field of Dreams. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm really. <laughs> so your fifth birthday was Field of Dreams. Your sixth birthday was Ninja Turtles. I'm pretty sure I saw Field of Dreams in the theater. Anyway, I had two, I had two thoughts watching that movie. Number one, pizza is the best inflation hedge ever. They got a pie for thirteen dollars in 1991. Wow, it is true. Pizza, right? like if you, if you, if you put the inflation
1: number on pizza, like, I'm sorry, gold is a regular not the pizza. Would be like thirty dollars, for forty dollars right now.
0: The other thing that I had, the other realization, I said, holy moly, is that is that Sam Rockwell? Went to the IMDb, sure enough, Sam Rockwell was like a foot soldier. Oh, really? I'm a big Sam Rockwell fan. All right, this is the week that... But anyway, hold on, just to put a this, you're right. You dial up Secret of the Use, $4, it's just everything's right there. Whatever yeah, you want. So,
1: it's so easy. Yeah, we, Whatever we you want. It, I think we take it for granted how hard it was to find. My other thing was, in the summer... TV schedules in the summer, the the TV channels used to literally say, no more new shows this summer, go do something else. It was like September to May was new TVs, and maybe they'd have a pilot or a game show or something in the summer or some repeats, but other than that, there was like no new shows in the summer. It was just kind of like, eh, everyone just decides TV's done for the summer.
0: Oh yeah, people are complaining right now that there's no no good shows on. Oh yeah? There's like four million.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And
0: literally in the summer, there'd be no new shows. It was crazy. Although, hand up, I'm, I'm one of those people complaining, but shame on me. Fair. Forgot how good we have it.
1: All right, new high in the 10-year treasury going back to 2007. I found it October 2007. And this has been the story of the last month or so. It seems like we have six week cycles now for the economy. Right? We go from stagflation to hard landing to soft landing to now I don't know growth accelerating. I don't know what I don't know what we what we call this. The Wall Street Journal has a story that the era of, era of historically low interest rates could be over, and this is something that me especially, and, and I guess I could lump you into, probably been the most wrong about over the years, where we thought rates were going to stay low for a long time, or like rates couldn't stay high for this long because something would break, or the government couldn't afford it, or whatever it is. I, I, hand up, I was I was certainly wrong on that, but they're saying higher productivity and increased deficits could raise the neutral rate of interest rates, limiting Fed cuts in the future. So they're saying like the potential growth could be higher, uh, swelling government deficits and investments in clean energy could increase demand for savings, pushing the neutral rate higher. Basically like the neutral rate, I guess, is just what the Fed settles into, which is funny because it seems like there's never like an equilibrium. It's always just moving.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. What about this whole idea that tech was a the most powerful deflationary force in the universe. Is that, is that over? It seems a bit premature to make that claim, in my opinion. I totally
1: agree. I, I think trying to make any sort of secular call right now, as opposed to cyclical, is, is really difficult. Because there, there really have only been three interest rate regimes ever in the modern era. It's flat from the 1920s to the 1950s, yeah, then up all to the, the way 1980s, up, all and the way down. down since then. Yeah. So tr- it's really hard to make one of those pivot turns, I think, in rates. And, and if anything, I think things will be more cyclical going forward. But I, I think it all comes down to government spending. And, and that if you're trying to, to hang your head on one thing or another of higher rates and higher inflation going forward or back to lower rates, it, it really depends on what the governments are going to do around the world and how much they're going to spend. I think that's the tell. And so if you, you're trying to guess politics, which is probably more impossible than trying to predict the markets. Here's my question for you right now. With rates so high – are bonds more attractive than stocks right now? So this is from the Wall Street Journal, 10-year tips. This is real yields are back to above 2%. I've always been taught that anything above 2% to 3% in tips is like a screaming buy signal. It's like, if, if you see on here, it hasn't happened very often since- A screaming buy for what? For tips, like, because you get 2% above, plus the inflation kicker, right? This is So a lot of people wondered, well, what the hell happened? I bought tips because I was worried about inflation, and then tips got crushed. But if you look, tips had negative real yields from two thousand twenty to twenty twenty two. Basically, well, now also, they have I mean, that's the inflation real co- yields.
0: It's the inflation component is one is part of the pie. But when rates go from zero to five, you, they, you know, they're, they're bonds. Yeah, the,
1: the bond. Yeah, that, that's the thing people didn't realize is there. But now you have two percent uh, real yields, which is great. Again, you're you're actually getting a yield plus the inflation kicker. And if we're just talking regular nominal bonds. Rates go up. Obviously, that's not good. That's what people are worried about now is rates continue to go up because the economy is accelerating. But if we have higher for longer, where like rates just kind of stay where they are and and maybe in a tight range, that's good. If we have a recession and rates go lower, that's good. Isn't, I don't know, I'm not like a short term, intermediate term guy, but I I think if you put them side by side, you'd say bonds probably have the better bet right now
0: with the understanding when When you say right now, what do you mean? Bonds are more attractive than they were three years ago. Do you mean right now I mean, for on, the next on a 12, relative right, basis right now I, for the next
1: 12 months? Like what's your time frame? It depends on what happens to rates, I suppose. But I think if we're looking at stocks and bonds right now, you could make the case that bonds are relatively more attractive than stocks, which is not something I would have imagined myself saying.
0: Relatively. Mo- okay. I think bonds are, like, relatively- if we're going to play
1: out the different scenarios, there's probably way worse scenarios for stocks than there are for bonds.
0: Yeah, I mean, bonds have a much bigger margin of safety with rates at 5% than they did when they were at 0%. But I still
1: obviously. think people are looking at the losses and going, no way I'm putting money into bonds. So
0: I, I No, no, I, no. You, you keep saying this, but it's not true. There's, money has been flowing into bonds for like 35 consecutive weeks. Then why are rates rising still? If money's flowing into bonds, why are rates rising? If, because, if, because, dude, the, the supply of bonds is not capped. The the treasury is issuing new bonds all the time. It's so our corporations.
1: But if there was if there was high enough demand for bonds, rates would be falling, not rising. It's not enough to like
0: control. You're talking just, about
1: mutual funds and stuff where the bond market is enormous, and there's if there's government selling the the mutual fund ETF money is a drop in the drop in the buying bucket.
0: pressure is not enough to drive rates. Well,
1: it is if it's the Fed doing it, I guess. Right, but so I, I tweeted this out last week. So the Long-term Treasury TLT, twenty-plus year U.S. Treasury bond ETF, is down 2.4 percent over the last nine years. So we're closing in on a lost decade. And a lot of people tried to actually me and say, "No, you, you must be looking at price return. There's no way that's possible." And if you look on my chart here, it says total return. This is income included. We're 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 coming in on a. And if you can see, it was close to up to I don't know halfway through this period, two thirds of the way through, is up like 60 or 70 percent from that blow off top and yields falling. Now we're we're closing in on a lost decade in long-term treasuries, which is kind of nuts con- considering how great things were coming into 2020 with these. Yeah. So Bespoke had one too. Since February 19th of 2020, which was the peak of the market right before COVID hit, TLT has posted a return of negative 32%. Arc has down 31%, which is again kind of crazy for how well these things did during the COVID bump. One of the things that I heard from a lot of people that I, I've been writing about bonds lately and talking about them is... Listen, I don't care about bond losses. I'll just hold my bonds until maturity. That's my hedge. I can just hold till maturity. I don't need to worry about these losses. You see the seven to 10-year treasury is still down 21% or so, to which I say that's a great psychological trick, but it doesn't mean that you're not losing out in some way. Like the hold bonds to maturity, people think they have this like secret way to make money in bonds and not lose money.
0: That's a good point. People value principal protection a lot because you're right. If you're buying an individual bond and you hold to maturity, you will get your money back. But what if you bought that bond at 2.5% and, and it was a 10-year bond? So you hold that bond for, for 10 years. Congratulations, you get 2.5% you get your money back. Rates go up to 5%. What, are you still holding that bond because you get your money back? What about all the missed out? What about the opportunity cost of not getting higher yields? So you're, you're 100% right. Cliff Asnes
1: had this thing, it must have been 10 years ago, like his big top 10 investing pet peeves. And he talked about the whole hold to maturity, individual bonds versus bond funds things. And he said, I I always go back to this. He said, bond funds are just portfolios of bonds marked to market every day. How can they be worse than the sum of what they own? The option to hold to maturity and get your money back is apparently greatly valued by many, but is is, is in reality valueless. The day interest rates go up, the individual bonds fall in value just like the bond fund. By holding the bonds to maturity, you will indeed get your principal back, but in an environment with higher rates and inflation, those same nominal dollars will be worth less. The excitement about getting your nominal dollars back eludes me.
0: Not me. I totally get it. And I get, I get where Cliff is coming from, but this is, how, this is how people behave. This is the thing. This is the whole kit and caboodle, yes, it's a b- but it's,
1: it's funny to me that some people think, like, I've got it all figured out. Like, I'm smarter right. than the bond market, but th- right. this is not the way things work. If you just sold your bonds at a loss or your bond fund at a loss, and put it into shorter term bonds at higher, whatever.
0: It's a psychological safety blanket. I completely agree. Yes. So there's a chart from Bloomberg. We said like there's like hedge funds are short treasuries, asset managers are long treasuries. So there's a chart showing asset managers' net long positioning 10-year treasury futures is at the highest level that it's been since, uh, whatever, 2006. It says investors are positioned for yields to fall. I don't agree with that sentiment. I think it's rational to take advantage of and lock in higher rates for a longer period of time. So just because you buy a 10-year bond at 4.4% or wherever the yields are, it doesn't mean that you think that you're, they're going to go down to 4% tomorrow, right. right? It means that, no, no, no. I'll take 4.4% for the next 10 years. And if yeah, rates I'm, go- to, I'm locking it in. Yeah, I'm locking it in. So if rates go to 4.7%, well, yeah, I'd rather they not, but that's okay. I'm, I'm locking in today's rates. It doesn't mean that it's a market timing call.
1: And again, it's the highest we, highest rates we've had in over 15 years. So I think I think that, that that totally makes sense. Here's my funny thing about the finance world, and I know why this happens, but the 10 year yields are the highest since 2007, meaning p- people finally have some some yield they can earn. Wage growth is up, GDP growth is accelerating, and Wall Street absolutely hates it, right? Like everyone is bearish now because. But my whole contention is. Rates wait, are wait, wait. Hold th-
0: on. Hold on. Like, unpack that. What do you mean? Wall Street hits what? And when you say Wall Street, what do you mean? What do you mean, Wall Street? Do you mean strategists? Do you mean, I mean the bank? Don't think, what do you mean?
1: Don't you think rates rising has turned everyone bearish on the last month? And But my whole contention is, wait, rates are finally rising for the right reason. Like Rates didn't get this high during the inflationary spike in, in, on some of these bonds. And and the whole Fed tightening thing, like inflation has fallen. Rates are rising because growth is rising. Isn't that a good thing?
0: Yes. So on the one hand, I think that when you say are, are bonds relatively more attractive, they're definitely more attractive to themselves than they were. That's for damn sure. But I do also believe that this should have this should cause a repricing of multiples for stocks. I just do believe that. I'm not saying it happens overnight, but if stocks were trading at twenty times earnings with a ten-year yield at one percent. I don't think they should trade at 20 times earnings with the 10-year yield at 5%, or 4.4%. Sorry, I just don't. Now, I don't, know what, where the right, I don't know where the right number is, but I also simultaneously have a hard time getting too bearish on stocks because the economy is too good.
1: Yes, and it's also, that that's the funny part, too, is your point about re-rating and valuations totally makes sense in theory, but then why is the NASDAQ up 35% this year? That's the part that...
0: And NVIDIA's at an all-time high right now. So, yes. yeah, dude, this shit's hard. Like, yes. we're trying to, like, make sense of it all, and it's just hard.
1: And if you look at the... This is through Monday... The correction, I think these things just happen faster. Where stocks are going up, I'm everyone's bullish, and stocks are going down, everyone's bearish.
0: This was a very this is a as they say a garden variety correction. I That's the P five
1: hundred is down four or five percent. The Nasdaq is down five or six percent. The
0: VIX the VIX never got over twenty. This this was nothing.
1: I mean, the, the, whatever could, If both. if rates keep going up, maybe stocks do continue to roll over. But it's not like this is this is like a terrible thing. This is this is you probably average a two or th- you know two five percent corrections a year in most years. It's it's not like this is the end of the world but I feel like the 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 sentiment shifts so much faster these days. Yep,
0: yep, 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 yep.
1: Even like what it was like 10 15 media. years it's ago. It's social media.
0: Get get yeah. used to it. It's permanent.
1: And maybe that's maybe that's the point is that that's where I'm getting my sentiment
0: gauge from. When there's a 5% pullback, the crowd will never say no reason to panic. You know what I mean? Because the loudest voices rise <laughs> to the top and that's just what it is.
1: But it's but the same thing when stocks are rising too. It's kind of like Two months ago it felt like there's this this is a Teflon market. Nothing can stop it. And I I guess it it just it's always that way, but it feels more now. Uh I know you and Josh talked about Michael Burry last week on what are your thoughts? Adam Koo had this this prediction chart, which I think we can appreciate. You especially like to do the annotations on a chart. I I like it too. Just some of his his uh I, I forgot about the one, the bubble in index funds and ETFs in September, 2019, which I actually wrote a big piece about saying that that's overblown. And I will always kind of say that my whole point here, Spencer, Jacob at, uh, what is it? Jacob central Jacob. Spencer Jacob? <laughs> yeah. Did I do that? Okay. Sorry. Oh, that's like, that's like spelling G E O F F. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's got, you know, I mean, it's, what it's, is that? What is it?
0: We're
1: going to hate mail now from, from a Jeff. His whole point of this this calling corrections, he says every market crash or bottom has a Babson. Remember Roger Babson was the guy who called the 1929 crash. Someone who can dine out forever on nailing it. In 1907, it was Elaine Garzarelli who predicted a collapse days before the Black Monday. She became the best based strategist on Wall Street for a while and went on to run some poorly performing mutual funds. In 1982, it was Elliott Wave theorist Robert Prechter predicting a roaring bull market after stocks spent 16 years in the doldrums that LA Wave stuff's still around, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But the crashes he called never materialized. And it said, I love this part. In response to email questions, Garzarelli says her claims on her website of 94.5% correct calls have been audited. <laughs> and while Prechter was more humble, admitting criticisms of his record are about right. Good for but, him. Which is kind of funny. At least he's admitting it. My whole thing is, remember the Buffett punch card of like, you should have a punch card and and 20 times in your career, you punch it and you make a change. There should be like, a punch card of like five big predictions of the crash predictions and after your punch card is done you can't you can't publicly make them anymore I, I just I I'm a fan of having the public track records out there for people who make this kind of stuff that's what I'm saying and I think that's a good part about the internet even though some people fail to do their own research on this of, of the person the boy who cried wolf kind of thing
0: yeah I don't know um Ben do you remember when like weed stocks hit the scene I think yeah it was what like- was the Tilray was the one. 15. Was that the big one? T-L-R-Y, I think so.
1: Is it almost the case that that weed going, being legal was bad for pot socks? Is that possible?
0: Yeah, it's too much supply. Oh my God. I'm looking at like Toke, for example. This is a Cambria fund. And Meb actually has this good thing where it's like, if an asset class is down, I don't know if Weed is an asset class, but you get the point. Maybe Sector, whatever it was. He had this great study. If something's down five years in a row, Almost doesn't matter what it is. You just buy. You know? Like Oh my gosh. (laughs) How is this even possible? It's down so Tok is down what? It's down what?
1: Oh no, I sorry. I'm looking at Tilray is down every single year since 2018. It was up 292% in 2017 and 310% in 2016. And it's fallen every single year since then, including this year. Oh no, it was up in 2020. Sorry.
0: I remember when these stocks came out and I had like uh I had one family member who was like, not bugging me, but you know, really curious about which one he should buy. And I was like, I think I said like, listen, I don't know if these would be great business. I told him about like the, the, the airline thing from Buffett. I don't know if that fell on deaf ears, but I don't know that these are going to be any, that there's be any winners here. It's great for the consumer, I guess. Not, I guess it's great for the consumer, but in terms of investing anyway, Jeffrey Patak tweeted, it's not every day you see a strategy go almost all the way to zero in less than two years, but this cannabis ETF, which is slated for liquidation has nearly done it. It's down 90% since it's October 21 conception. Leverage and weed stocks, bad combo.
1: So it was a leveraged weed stock play.
0: Anyway, toke, I mean, yeah, it's still basically in the basement. I don't know. Stop going down. I don't know. I mean, you'd think
1: weed investors would have a little more patience because they're a little more slow to react to things, (laughs) right? Sorry. So anyway, um,
0: uh, just getting back to the the flows for bonds from Daily Chartbook. U.S. bonds attracted $1.7 billion in the week, ending August 16th for the 33rd straight week of inflows. So people are buying stocks. I mean, people are buying bonds. Excuse me. And then next one, again from Daily Chartbook, mutual money market funds have dominated year-to-date flows across asset class. So this is this is wild. It's money market funds, all bonds, U.S. government, and then you know everything else rounds to zero when looking against that scale because money market funds have brought in a trillion dollars. Now money market funds obviously can't move markets because that's f- set by the Fed. But even even bond buying is not gonna the bond market is so gigantic. It's not, it can't possibly influence interest rates.
1: What's the financial stock play here besides like a Charles Schwab that would benefit from this? Because those money market funds make pretty decent fees. Like they're, those are higher fees than like an ETF. Someone has to be benefiting from this. Is it just every broker is benefiting from this in some way? Plus they're, they're earning a great spread. They're all charging like 8% on their margin right now, even though they're paying
0: 5%. Yeah. In what do we say? Markets. What did we say Robin was getting? So th- this whole thing that and we, I think we've done this bit, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. This whole thing about bonds won't lend—I mean, banks won't lend when the curve is flat or inverted because they borrow short and then long. Not really true. Sorry, they're in a great spot right now. It just depends on the demand for loans. Look at your checking and savings accounts. They're—they're they're not borrowing. I mean, yes, they're borrowing short, but not at, not at the not at rates set by the government. They're still paying zero effectively, or close to it. Isn't it
1: also crazy how? Like, this is like the immaculate handoff for baby boomers. Like, they had this wonderful, I mean, retirees have been complaining for years about the fact that they have no safe yield anywhere, but the stock market went up a ton, housing prices went up a ton, and now all of a sudden it's like, all these baby boomers are retiring it's like, here, on a silver platter, here's this 5% yield for your safe assets. Have at it. I don't think the baby boomers, you couldn't have drawn up a better situation or scenario for the baby boomers from like 1980 to today. In terms of how financial markets worked out for them. Low starting yields, high starting rates, 20-year bear market or bull market. Uh sure there was a lost decade in there, but then a 15-year bull market and now really high rates. Like you couldn't have scripted it any better for them.
0: See, I really wanted to interrupt there, but as a co-host, I had to let you cook. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so I'm work I'm actually working on a post about this right now. If you are an investor or if you are if you're a lender right slash investor these higher rates are the best thing since sliced bread if you're a borrower yeah this is the worst thing ever so ben is the fed worsening inequality by raising interest rates <laughs> but i thought but wait a minute i thought the fed was worsening inequality when they were lowering interest rates so which is it
1: it's both ways i guess but interest
0: yeah. so interest rates are bad for inequality whether they're higher or lower they're just bad and i'm being facetious but is there some truth in that that you can i mean you can make the argument certainly the, the argument was made the entire time that it, rates when rates were low that the fed was widening the income inequality gap or the wealth inequality gap and I mean, I, all kidding aside with rates high now is not is it is not the same thing playing out if you're if you're if you already have assets you already locked in a mortgage you have money to invest you're you're this is a huge windfall for you but if you are borrowing or you are accumulating or you have credit card debt, you're you're getting destroyed.
1: There's gonna be a line in the sand in like 2021 or 2022 in the future, they're gonna look back and go, What happened? It's like housing market, especially. Like it just- speak
0: speaking of that, I was looking at I was playing around with rocket money yesterday and I saw I, I I've got I've got many bones to pick with my recurring charges. Bones to pick all over the place. A graveyard of bones. With how they're
1: being categorized, or what?
0: No, no, no. Like, <laughs> hand up this is on me somehow. I have three serious subscriptions. I'm gonna call them this afternoon and find out what's going on. The New York Times is charging. The New York Times is charging me twice. It's charging my business account and my credit card, my personal credit card. I can't figure out why. I have no idea why. Anyway, I saw uh, an interest charge from American Express, and you know, credit card interest is like twenty something percent. Right. I'm like, "Wait, what the heck is this?" I'm a, I'm an autopay guy, right? But my new my new ish card which I linked to my old account, my existing account. I never I guess I forgot to set up the autopay. So I just assumed that I just assumed, right? Shame on me. I just assumed that it was set up. But I never got a notice that I didn't I never got an email saying that I I had a, I had a late charge. Isn't that weird? So, so I had a late I had a late fee for $30 that, that I called American Express. They take it off. They they reversed it, but the interest expense the interest expense, like that's we, you know, we can't do that's that's corporate or whatever. $106. Oof. And that was probably I was probably only I probably like, I don't know, 10 days delinquent.
1: Can you imagine the people that that carry balances over every month and are looking at those charges? Or maybe they just don't look. But I can't even imagine letting allowing no, it's, it's those charges. Ba- it's, it's backbreaking.
0: It's backbreaking. Ben, what's your number one rule in personal finance?
1: Pay off credit card debt. Boom. Always. Every month. I just live off the rewards. All right. Uh the GDP now has estimates for real GDP at Q3 at 5.8%. This is, this is crazy to me. It's the fastest non-pandemic quarter in 20 years. Like, so you had the big snapback of the pandemic, but take that out of the equation. And it's 20 years would be the fastest quarterly growth that we've had, which is, it really is amazing. I, I don't know anyone who in their right mind predicted this. It, it's impossible. Yeah. So, so just,
0: so just, so I think, I think that's why the narrative is shifting. It's like, holy cow, the economy really is accelerating. So they're not going to cut rates. Rates are going to stay higher for longer. And okay, you reprice risk assets. Makes sense.
1: Connor Sun had this, all these are reasonable takes. Inflation is still too high. Fast growth is compatible with cooling inflation due to supply chain improvement. Growth is still too fast to be consistent with 2% inflation. Over time, the economy can't handle 5% Fed funds rate. I, I This all makes sense to me. Like there's there's so, so many the, different- the last,
0: the last one to me is the most salient point. There's no way. There's no, no way. If you- if, so remember we said like so much of the debt is already fixed, right? Your mortgages, whatever. I know this is this is like fantasy world, but imagine you repriced everything at 5%. Imagine everything you just wiped the state clean and just said, replace your existing debt with with current rates. Sunk.
1: And, and maybe this is the reason that everyone on Wall Street is so worried is because the, the thinking is if the economy continues to accelerate, the Fed is going to have to accelerate again. And that is when something of, eventually it's going to break. Like, okay, it hasn't broken yet. We had all these... Extenuating circumstances, things have been fine, people are locked in low debt. Eventually something's gonna have to slow And I think that's obviously
0: the worry. Duncan saying I need a financial advisor. I don't think financial advisors are responsible <laughs> for irresponsible uh subscriptions. That should be
1: well, yeah. I told you, you got to negotiate with them. But I, I think you know how you, you have automate automatic 401k target date contributions and these things, and like you have a default choice for credit cards, your default should be automatically paid off every month. And if you want to take that off, you have to go in and turn it off. How's
0: that? That's such a great point. You know, it's that's like an auto enrollment for 401ks.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it should. How so much money- How much opt out, not opt in.
0: How much money do credit card companies make because people don't get automatically opted in? That will never change, but you're right.
1: My sister, her very first credit card out of college, uh, she didn't really know how credit cards worked. And so my dad looked at her bill after like 12 months and was like- Sarah, what are you doing? And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, why aren't you paying off your, your credit card every month? And she's like, I don't need to, it's a credit card. You can just kind of let it go. And she didn't, she didn't, she had no idea
0: interest was accumulating and she she had the money to pay it off. I bet that's just didn't. A lot of people probably don't know about credit card interest.
1: That's on me for being a finance brother,
0: not, not teaching her the ways. Uh, this is a great chart from bank of America. U S consumers are still super healthy. Consumer debt as a percentage of GDP is at 2001 levels, wild. So even with all these rate hikes, it doesn't matter because people already lo- locked it in you locked it in doesn't It doesn't matter, you don't feel it.
1: Doesn't this go to our point of, okay, the Fed takes rates to six or six and a half percent if they have to really like snuff this thing out and we have some sort of slowdown. I, I still fall in the ca- like even if it happens it's going to be it's going to be pretty mild.
0: So a recession a, a recession would happen, but it would be mild.
1: I think that would be, that would have to be your baseline with the caveat that things can always get worse, but that would, that would have to be the baseline. Things aren't like, people aren't just over leveraged to the hilt this time around.
0: To the hilt. Right. Is that a thing? Is it to the hills? You might be right. I'm not sure. To the hilt. It didn't sound terribly wrong. To the hilt. All right. To the hilt. I'm going to fact check you. To the hilt. To the
1: hilt is a thing. To the hilt as much as possible.
0: See, we're mortgaged to the hilt. To the utmost degree. Okay, Ben, not only were you right, but you were exactly right. Credit to you.
1: I could hear people saying to the hills and and with confidence and thinking they're doing it right, but they're not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you think to the hills is one of those things people say, but they don't know that it's actually to the hilt? Right. The more you know. I still get a grain of sand and salt confused, but now I know it's sand. No. (laughs) All right. Wait, is it salt? Yes, it's awesome. We've done this before. (laughs) Oh, God. I really thought it was sad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are you sure? (laughs) Take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Guess that one hasn't sunk in yet.
1: Yeah, your confidence level was pretty high there.
0: (laughs) All right. I don't know how to square the circle, Ben. Worldwide spending on business travel will top pre-pandemic levels next year. And expand and expand to more than 1.78 trillion according to the global in 2027 according to uh, the global business travel association's annual outlook. Uh how and when business passenger volumes will recover to 2019 levels remains to be seen. Travel by large corporations remains stuck at about 75 to 85% of 2019 volume for US carriers.
1: That's way higher than I would have
0: thought. But I, that's would have still thought high. Remo- I would have
1: thought with I would have thought with the remote work it would be like 60% of of pre-pandemic levels. But it says
0: spending rose 47% last year to 1.03 trillion and is forecast to increase 32% in 2023. How much of that is inflation? Okay. Yeah, but even still. Kind of like
1: looking at the box office rates, like this is the highest grossing thing ever, but you don't adjust for inflation.
0: But I I just assumed, I don't know, that business travel was like dead forever. What would you have guessed it's down since 2019?
1: 50%? I would have said at least like 40 Who's
0: traveling for business?
1: Yeah, that's a problem. Well, I guess. I've been traveling more, but. (laughs) <laughs> that's
0: true <laughs> 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 what idiots
1: are traveling I, yeah. how much of it how much of it do you think is people like getting an excuse to get out and travel because they just they they want to get out and travel again and it's like they don't need to but they want to there's got to be a lot of people who that like fall like I, I got to go to visit the manufacturing plant over here and just get out of the house the Wall Street Journal had a piece called banks don't love rich mortgage borrowers as much as they used to saying like they're not getting deals to jumbo loans anymore. But this is, this is interesting to me. so they look at interest on a new car loan by credit score and they go deep subprime, which I did not know is a thing. Deep subprime sounds like a movie from the nineties. Does it not? Brendan Fraser probably would have been in it.
0: (laughs) Deep subprime is much nicer than very poor.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) Subprime, near prime, prime
1: and super prime. And look at the, look at the range of, and they're, they're showing that actually the super prime have risen faster than the, the deep and, and subprime. But Look at how much higher these rates were for having a bad credit score. This is a way... So we're talking almost 15% for deep subprime versus 5% for superprime. Like, you know how they do the FICO score, right? I think it's... So I looked this up. One third is like your payment history. So you're, you got docked already because you forgot to make a payment. So your credit score is going to go down. Uh, the amount owed wait, is another one. Wait,
0: Is that for real?
1: Look at, look at it. person's One, payment one late payment? No, I'm, it's not good. Ah. It's, it would have to be a series of them. Amount owed is one third. Length of credit history is like 15%. So get those credit cards right away and pay them off. New accounts opened is 10%. And then types of credit used is 10%. That's how they determine your FICO score. So having a good credit score. What, remember you got me the t-shirt? What did it say? Like not to brag, I have a great, great credit score or something. I did? You bought me a t-shirt. Uh, you had me a, like a printed t-shirt made. I feel like you've never, I've never seen it. You ever wear a it? A few years ago. Oh, you got me like an XL. Uh. Uh, so I think I use it as a towel. <laughs> Which someone pointed out, large is in the middle, right? You didn't want to be a large because you thought you were on the upper end?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Some, somebody, had, somebody had a great take. They, they emailed us uh, and said, Michael, small, medium, large, extra large, extra, extra large. Large is smack dab in the middle. Don't discount the number of XXL people out there. It's true. But I still, I, still, I still say large is average, which I guess he's, that's the point he's making.
1: Here's an anecdote about how rates are finally starting to have an impact. Christine Johnson, a marketing manager in Chicago, has been looking with her family of four for a house in the backyard. They wanted to put down 20% on a million-dollar home and take out a jumbo loan, but they could get a rate lower if they put 30% down and got a conforming mortgage, and that, that would be like a more of a government-backed loan. So they're, they're considering putting the extra cash down. And she says depending on where the interest rates are will dictate how... Will dictate what we are doing. Like it's it's certainly changing behaviors for people. And that that sort of thing, like paying down a a loan faster or or trying to buy down a higher like that's the kind of thing that eventually feeds into consumption, even if it's on the edges these days. Event slowly but surely, that seeps its way into the economy.
0: Right? Doug coming in with the with the knowledge drop on late payments. A late payment can drop your credit score by as much as 180 points. However, Lenders typically report late payments to the credit bureau once you're 30 days past due. So I think, I'm, okay. I think I'm in the clear. So you're not delinquent yet? Not delinquent. I'm just ball. up the next Fed's court. Um, this, this blew my face. So getting back to like the car stuff, car dealership guy, reminder that some people are paying mortgages for fancy cars. These are real active car leases in five states. So an Acura NSX, beautiful car. Not quite a Honda Accord, but still nice. F- a 36 month lease, $5,600 a month. Wait, for an Acura? An NSX. What's that? It's their their sports car. It used to be like really nice. It was around in like the 90s and they discontinued it and brought it back. Very sweet looking ride.
1: I'm not a car guy at all. Who's bragging about an Acura? That's all I'm saying.
0: It's very nice. Uh, If you're going to
1: do it, get a Ferrari or something. Don't get an Acura. That's all I'm saying.
0: A Mercedes G63 AMG 5,100. A Porsche 911 5,100. A Land Rover. Oh, a Range Rover. $4,400. Four thousand four hundred. Oh my god!
1: I know that these are really rich people, but would you rather have a a Porsche nine eleven or a a late, a vacation home on the, on the ocean or something?
0: This is this is like the difference here. It's unbelievable. It's so much money. I'm going to assume that these people. I'm going to assume they can afford it. You're not just like casually getting a five thousand dollars car. And honestly, what if you have that much money? You know what what's Literally, what's the difference? But that being said, it's just a staggering amount of money. Um, so congrats to the rich people. That's that's awesome. Oh, I had, I had a thought. That's like, I don't really believe, but I just wanted to talk it out loud. My train ticket was, well, let's say I don't do monthlies anymore. Let's see how much a monthly is. I think my monthly train ticket used to be like $250.
1: And that's used as many times as you want to get into the city.
0: Let's just assume that a mo- t- monthly ticket is three hundred dollars. That's not a lot, that's not an insignificant amount of money. And so, when prices started, it used to be enough for a car payment, when car prices used to started to go crazy, I think people were able to rationalize. At least Long Island commuters or New York commuters. Wait, I'm not paying three hundred dollars for my train ticket anymore. So if I'm paying an extra hundred fifty bucks for my car, it's still you know it's I'm still still in the black. I can see
1: that. So if, if people
0: are working from home.
1: They probably also need a, uh, an automobile more too.
0: Yeah. So I think that was easy to rationalize.
1: Yeah. It, it, it is surprising to me if you look at the, the used car prices are coming down, but they're still way, way elevated above 2019 levels.
0: Another tweet from car dealership guy. Severe delinquency for auto loans is the highest since at least 2006. Yet the job market is strong. So basically no one has any idea what's going on. So this is percent of asset. What's ABS. Asset-backed Asset, securities, yeah, auto-based back security, whatever, something like that. Sixty days plus delinquent, and it's uh, it's over five percent, which is which is in fact the highest it's been since uh, at least two thousand nine, or at least 2006, he says.
1: Not surprising.
0: Could there be stress in this market without a broad read-through to the economy? And I'm going to say yes. Just think about how how insane car prices were. Do you think in the next downturn, whenever we get a recession?
1: There's going to be like wonderful opportunities to buy like used cars and used boats from people that went way over their skis and, and spent too much money and just fire sale prices. I got to get rid of this stuff. Yes. Is that going to be a possibility? Yes. I think so too. I think there's a lot of people who have probably overstepped their spending in recent years and are gonna to have to cut back and sell stuff.
0: All right. Jeremy Schwartz has a take.
1: All right. Closing my week, pondering thoughts, which he was great on, on compounded friends last week with Eric Belchunas. That's a good one to combo there as far as ETF and market knowledge. Closing my week, pondering thoughts from, from an AI professor at Wharton who thinks productivity acceleration from AI will take 10-year bond yields up to 6%. Why would productivity gains take bond yields so much higher? Because growth is going to be so much higher? I guess so, yeah. Don't you think the hype cycles happen so much quicker these days too where after a while, like, the hype cycles happen and, like, this is what we're going to have and this is what we're going to have and then we're going to have this and that stuff doesn't happen, it's kind of like, just kind of, you know, tap drumming your fingers and like waiting for the stuff that like, I'm not saying like the AI stuff is not going to happen, but it's kind of like the hype cycle digests this stuff so fast. Like, this is what's really going to happen. And then you're going to have this and the technology is going to be so great. And then you have this waiting period until it actually happens. Or for some other stuff like crypto, it actually doesn't happen. I I think we- Everything moves faster. Yeah, we pull forward the hypes. Okay. Here's another rates thing. If you would have told me this- even 12 months ago, hey, inflation is down to 3% now. Inflation, it, it fell for 12 months, in and inflation is 3 What do you think mortgage rates are going to be? There's not a single scenario where I would have said, oh, mortgage rates are
0: 7.5%. Right.
1: That would have broken my brain. There's no, it makes no sense, right? Mortgage rates are not at their highs, 7.5%. The last time, the 10-year was this level. The 10-year in October 20, 2007 was 4.5%. You know what the mortgage rate was then, 30-year? Say it one more time. So, the 10 year now is at the same level as it was in October 2007. What was the 30 year mortgage rate back then?
0: Oh, uh, uh, five and six eighths. Well, it was, it was six and a quarter. Okay.
1: For using your mortgage terms. But so the spreads are still so much higher today, which again, I think the, the Fed kind of broke the mortgage market when they bought all those mortgage backed bonds.
0: Now, that's a function of the Fed, right? Buying less bonds than they used to. That's why spreads are wider.
1: I think that's part of it. And again, the fact that you're not getting any prepayments because people aren't refinancing now. So it's, it's, I don't think the fed ever thought through raising rates as fast as they did what the unintended consequences would be. Now they could, they could, they could easily bring that spread down if they wanted to. Apparently they don't, they don't want to, but just the the 7.5% mortgage rates with 3% inflation, it's too high. It's way too high. And yeah, I don't know how the housing market doesn't, we talked a couple months ago like is the correction over like if this if this stays higher for longer like housing prices have to fall again they have to right i know people keep saying well it's easy to see cuz of the supply and demand and that was it. like no one i'm sorry eventually this has to impact the housing price market it has to right maybe nothing has to happen but i, yeah, I, I don't I would know be sh-
0: well what, there was there was an article i mean yeah listen it's hard to make the argument that it wouldn't right like i don't want to say that it's not going to impact the housing market but there was an article in Forbes showing that like 40% of buyers get help from a family member.
1: I had that in here. For the yeah. down
0: payment. 38% of recent home buyers
1: under the age of 30 use a cash gift from a family member or inheritance to afford their down payment. I talked about inheritances uh, on Ask the Compound recently. And this is the time where if I was a young person, I'd be hitting up mom and dad and being like, listen, I don't want it when I'm 50 or 60. Help me now with a down payment. I, I'm, and I'm sure I'm a lot of parents here.
0: are receptive if, if you have the means.
1: Yes, you'd have to be a couple interesting facts that show like if housing prices fall, you know, there's plenty of cushion. Uh Bank of America, 2.1% of mortgage properties have negative equity, which is lower it's down from 25% in 2011, which is a crazy high number. Uh only 0.88% of home equity is being used in HELOCs currently, the lowest level since 1988. It peaked at almost 7% a few years ago. So there's plenty of room to, to maneuver here for people who own houses already.
0: Yeah. Michael McDonough made this great chart, a monthly mortgage payment using the median existing home price, assuming that you put down 20%. This was uh, $577 at its low in 2011. In 2019 or so, I'm just eyeballing this. It looked like it, it, it eclipsed
1: $1,000. Again, this also, is a monthly,
0: monthly mortgage payment. Now it's it, 20... Sorry. Now it's,
1: it's $2,300. He also broke down your first payment, how much goes to principal, how much goes to interest. And look at how much more goes to interest now than principal. This is, this is why, like, if, if you buy a home right now in hopes of flipping it in a couple years, it's like a starter home. You're going to build zero equity if prices don't go anywhere because the majority of your money is going to interest payments now.
0: Right. So yeah, yeah, it's a great point. So pre-pandemic, it was like a thousand bucks. It's twenty three hundred now. What?
1: Yeah, that that is insane.
0: Okay, we got a ton of emails. Oh damn it! I meant to do. I meant to throw some charts in here. Oh well, we got a ton of emails. I'm not sure why this triggered such a response, but the KFC versus Taco Bell, Pizza Hut thing. KFC is massive. For whatever reason, massive. It's the largest food uh, fast food chain in, in China.
1: Yeah, it sounds like Asia has a really big KFC presence. I don't know. I, I guess it, maybe just because it's so different, right? Than than most of the food they have there, that that surprises me. Someone says somehow the Colonel took over China better than Mickey D's did.
0: All right, great quarter, guys. This is a great chart from uh, Alpha Sense. On who FTAV is. I'm sorry. Who's FTAV? Anyway, neither here nor there. The company call transcripts containing the phrase double click. That's this is a bubble. Wait, what am I missing here? What does double click mean? Let let's uh, let me double click on that.
1: Oh geez. So if you did this for podcasts, it would be let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. That that would be the podcast version of this chart.
0: Now you know. Josh actually said double click last week. I almost said something, but I didn't want to inter- interrupt the flow.
1: Okay, interesting. I'm, I, I'm surprised. I didn't know that was even a, a phrase. Oh, really?
0: Do you not? Do you even conference call?
1: I mean, I don't, I guess I must miss, I don't, I've never used that phrase in my life. Let's double click on this. That sounds like a very AOL 1990s thing to say. No? Well,
0: obviously you're not going to use it in your life. I mean, you're, you're not going to tell your wife let's double click on this. That'd be okay. very weird. Try it, okay. see what happens. All right, Carl a tweeted from Macy's. We experienced an increased rate of delinquencies, the speed at which the increase occurred for us in the broader credit card industry since our first quarter earnings call was faster than planned. We are working closely with our bank bank partner, city, whatever, to mitigate rising bad debts. Okay. If you just read that and you took my at face value, you'd say, whoa, uh-oh, uh-oh. We in trouble here? We in trouble here? Or maybe Macy's just stinks. I think their, their uh, same store sales were down. People are
1: going to be blowing up their credit card scores or their, their credit scores.
0: 8% year over year something like that. Uh, so Mackey, Jeff Mackey had a great thread. Macy's is hard to take seriously. Hikes shrink allowance after physical count, which raises a lot of questions. Uh, looking for a down 7% comps, takes credit card delinquencies up. This is what garbage retail accounting looks like. Anyway, he has a whole thread on it. Uh, so glad that we have people like that setting the record straight on some shenanigans. You're a bad company. Don't blame Macro. Don't blame Micro. Have you ever Sorry. been to a department store in recent years? Yes. yes.
1: A depressing place that I can't believe that we ever actually had to shop like that before the internet. The last
0: time I was in a department store, I called you. I've done, I've done, I've done, I don't know why. I get like anxiety shopping. I'm not sure why. It's so much easier to shop online these days.
1: Like when I was younger, this is another like walking the hill, walking up the hill, uh, both ways to school kind of thing for me as a middle-aged person. Before school would start, my mom would take me to Macy's or what was called Marshall's or whatever back in the day and buy all my clothes. Macy's was
0: not called Marshall's. That's a separate store. Marshall Fields. Oh,
1: the original was Marshall Fields. You Chicago? know that if you're a Midwest guy, yeah.
0: <laughs> so now I shop uh, on Instagram. By the way, what's this? What's this brand called? Is this homage? 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 There's so Omage. many ways to say it. Yes. Homage. Yes. This is where I shop. You are up Omage to the hi- you are Instagram. up to the hills
1: in Instagram shirts.
0: I am I am out to the hilt. Uh, oh, speaking of Instagram. The other day, oh, we were talking about like, oh, uh, Alexa. Here's, Here's what I use Alexa for. Alexa, set a timer for 10 minutes when I'm cooking the kids white mac and cheese. That's what I use it for. That is not bad. Or Alexa, play whatever. See, she's talking right now. I guess she's not connected to the internet. See, I don't even use it upstairs. Here's where voice, and I was talking about how Amazon burned billions of dollars on voice. Here's where voice excels. For the companies, for the companies, Cause they'll send it on you, dude. I used to think that was nonsense. Like, oh, like ninety percent of the time. And I, I do still believe this. Like, ninety percent of the time, when people think that they're being spied on, they just don't remember that. Like, either they search for something, or some, or their their spouse search for something, and it's it's on their record. But we've got we had like a fruit fly infestation out of nowhere. They just came hard and heavy. And I saw an ad pop up my Instagram. And as I was telling my neighbor about it, and then I came back inside, I'm scrolling through, I'm like, what the, f- what? So I asked Robin, I said, hey, have, did you buy any fruit fly deterrent? Did you search? She's like, no, why? So I told her. Anyway, listen, I bought it and it works. So thank you for spying on me. But nevertheless, how would you explain that?
1: The funny thing is, is I don't even get mad about it anymore. It's like, eh, whatever. This is the yeah, price we pay.
0: No, I, I didn't, they, they, they're listening. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they hear some embarrassing things, but thank you for serving up that fruit fly thing. Or I guess an alternate explanation that is probably more reasonable is other people in my neighborhood are experiencing the same thing and are buying fruit fly stuff. So they served it up like on a local thing.
1: Maybe Alexa detected the fruit flies in your house for you. You didn't use your electric zapper on them, your bug zapper.
0: Oh, I've been zapping to high smithereens, but there's too many. The noise is so, the noise is so, uh,
1: yeah, it's a great noise. All
0: right, let's get rid of this. What's this, uh, oh, this credit card thing.
1: Okay. I got a credit card thing in the mail from City the other day. It's like City Simplicity Card. 0% intro APR for 18 months, uh, 21% after that, but uh, 18 months on balance transfers to or purchases from me. How are these credit cards able to still roll out 0% credit cards? I look, there's, there's no other. So my finance brain says, why wouldn't I put every single one of my purchases on this credit card and just put all the cash into 5 or 6% T-bills for 18 months And that's way higher than I could get from a credit card reward.
0: I feel like there's got to be some fine print in here that you missed.
1: 18 months, 0% intro. I mean, I don't know what they, maybe they would give you a low uh, limit on it or something, but that seems like.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that's probably what it is. Yeah. You probably have a thousand dollar limit. And I mean, there's no
1: other, there's no other rewards you get with it, but that like in a high rate environment, that 0% credit card, like if you're thinking about doing a renovation or something, why wouldn't you use this kind of thing? For a while, at least, before tapping into your home equity or, or whatever it's whatever you're thinking, right? That
0: well, because I'm saying the cap is probably thousand bucks.
1: Okay, that maybe it, it has to be it. That's the only thing I can think of.
0: Uh, ben, I saw a chart from Fidelity. Whoa, on... whoa, whoa,
1: whoa! You can't post demographic charts. Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I wanted to serve this up to be a good co-host and see okay. if you had any thoughts. Okay. The percentage of population older than fifty five. It's twenty seven percent in the United States, thirty percent in Canada, thirty six percent in Germany, thirty nine percent in uh, Japan. Expected to rise.
1: A lot of people keep talking about this, like it's going to be the end of the world economically speaking, and these places are in trouble. My default is we'll figure it out. Well, guess what? What about when sixty is the new forty? That's true. People are just people are living longer. I think that, and obviously the baby boomer population is a big part of it. But
0: I don't put a lot of credence in here, as you know. All right, we got a, we got a, uh, an emailer. An email from a listener in response to Ben's post about like not needing as much as you might think in retirement. Basically,
1: people who have a lot of money don't end up spending it all. They they rarely do or come and close to it.
0: So I did a follow up piece on this, but the the big takeaway that was pretty eye opening is like, listen, I'm almost sixty years old. Everything like everything that I would wanted to do with money, for the most part, I've done. Been there, right. done that. I took trips. I had a nice car. I bought a nice watch. Whatever. That stuff doesn't move the emotional needle at 60 the same way it does when you're, say, 40. And so I think people severely underestimate that. Now, it's a a balancing act. But I think in large part, this is why people just don't spend the way that they do when they're 70, 80. I don't know. It sounds obvious to me, but maybe it's not obvious. Your conclusion of...
1: So spend some more when you're young and you can enjoy it or want to enjoy it. Because I, I agree, when you get to that age and you're kind of set in your ways, you probably, there's certain things you just don't want to spend money on anymore. And I actually heard from one frugal millionaire one time who told me, like, he 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 built a huge nest egg and he couldn't spend it and he didn't want to and he's, he's giving some away, but he said, I gave myself certain rules. Like, if I'm traveling, I, I'm always going to pay for first class. He's like, I, I cut back on so many other things, but if I'm traveling, I'm going to, so I think find little conveniences like that to, treat yourself on, I think helps. But there was another one who said, this guy, had he emailed us, he said he has a $4 million net worth. He says, I see so many things about how much money you'll need in retirement. I have no idea how to answer the question. I don't expect to. So we keep saving and saving because digesting what life will be like without kids' expenses, limited to no mortgage and lots of free time. I just want and need more if that results in my kids inheriting a lot of money, so be it. I just think the retirement discussion has so many variables people don't like to admit they don't have a clue about, and that's where a lot of the concern around money comes from. So I think part of it is just there's so many unknowns out there, and people just want the safety net, and they, they, they that's can't like, get it. That's a personality
0: thing. I totally get that. But, like, once you get to a certain age, you're like, I'm not going to spend that much money. I'd rather just, you know, leave it to my grandkids. True. And that's fine if you want to, like,
1: yeah, give it away to charity or give it to your grandkids or whatever. But I, I think you should also like enjoy yourself a little. Like I, I think it's okay. If you've spent your whole life working and, and, and slaving away and, and saving money over time, Like find little ways to treat yourself.
0: Don't you think that we, at least speaking for myself, I am at the age where I think I am, this is like peak money enjoyment for me. Yes. Where I'm able to do things with money that I wasn't when I was younger, that at some point will not be special because... That's how human beings work, right? The lo- things that were once uh, a luxury become normal, or just the excitement wears off. So I think I'm in like I'm 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 peaking right now, and hopefully my peak lasts uh, many years. But I know I know it won't always be this way.
1: That's also why I've been okay to pull forward some expenses that like that with my kids now, so I can enjoy this stuff with them now. Because I know in the future if they're going to be too busy or not want to hang out with me and my wife.
0: And you're gonna be you're gonna be older and, and, and grumpier. Be older, yeah. So
1: so I'm I'm okay pulling forward some of those expenses and not thinking through like oh if I would have just saved this money what would it be worth in 30 years? That that's why being a parent has led me to pull forward a lot of that stuff. One more feedback thing: we got a lot of feedback on dishwashers too. Regarding dishwashers, they oh, that's actually a great email. Do work without rinsing, but you can't use pods. I highly encourage watching this video. The host breaks down a dishwasher, explains so how it works. Tldr: Dishwashers have a pre-wash mode before the wash, and when using a pod, there isn't soap for the pre-wash. You need wait, wait, right, wait!
0: Lost, made. There's a, there's a wash before the wash.
1: pre washed So you need like the dish detergent. He says use powdered detergent, and the dishwasher works amazingly well. So those pods are maybe it makes your life easier, but they don't work as good.
0: So it drives me nuts when Robin will put like something with sauce in the, in the sink, and she will, she just, she refuses to rinse. No matter how many times I say just please rinse because in the morning I'm like scraping it off, you know, but, but do you ever maybe, get the,
1: you get, like the, the pods leave like half the pods still in the thing. When nah, it's done. but
0: I have a pretty high, high hit rate, but I think I'm willing to go the extra mile and do this pre rinse or whatever, because it's annoying. I'd rather, remember, listen, if I don't have to rinse, this is, this is fantastic.
1: But in the past you would pour the powder in and now it's the pod. So I maybe you gotta go back to the pour stuff.
0: Yeah, that's. I'll, I'll try it out. I'll try it out. Uh, all right. Recommendations. Ben, what do you got?
1: All right. We watched The Whale on Paramount Plus because there's just like nothing else to watch right now. And I think we're going to be in like a bear market for content for a while. There's, but there's
0: everything to watch. Didn't we just talk about this?
1: Yes, but I'm saying new stuff. Have you? All right. Go ahead. So we watched The Whale with Brendan Fraser. And this, this is a Darren Aronofsky movie. And it's so this is a film and not a not a movie. This is the kind of movie they make because they want someone to get an Oscar. Like, And his, his performance was great, but I didn't say anything the whole movie. And my wife at the end goes, I know you didn't like it. And I said, and I, cause I think she liked it more than me. And I said, what do you, what do you, how do you, why do you say that? She said, you don't like sad movies. And this was a sad movie. And it's the kind of movie that is depressing and it gets more depressing and another sad thing happens and it's kind of like, come on. Seriously? I love what? sad
0: movies. Really? Yeah. I'm a big emotion guy. And I like this movie a lot. You liked The Whale? I did. When did you watch it? On an airplane.
1: You like? Okay. I I just, I can't wrap my head. Around. It was, it was well, as a well done movie. I just, not for me. Okay. I'm surprised I was going to say you should not watch this. No, I liked it. Okay. Your, your movie taste is just, it's like a, like a roll of the dice for me. Like I can never tell something, something y- you don't like.
0: I, you know what I spent the last week watching and like four times, Robin's like, are you, are you really doing this? I went down the, uh, the garbage fish rabbit hole. I, I was talking about, they were talking about the podcast. So I watched like, what I, I, I didn't watch Open Water or Forty Seven Meters, but I watched Forty Seven Meters, the un, un, uncaged by accident. This is a sequel. I thought I was watching the original. I watched the sequel. I watched The Reef. I watched the one with uh, Blake Lively. The Blake Lively one was not bad. What was that called? The Reef. They're all I don't. know. They're all blended together. That was a good one.
1: Okay, I've never heard of any of these movies, but uh,
0: The Shallows.
1: Okay, yeah, that was it.
0: Yeah, I can't
1: believe you liked The Whale.
0: I did like The Whale, although I don't. I feel like I don't love Darren Aronofsky movies. What else did he do? He, I did, I did like, he did, I did the like, Black
1: Swan one. Yeah,
0: I like I that one. Uh, oh, film, see, it says films. Yeah, he's a film guy. Uh, oh, The Wrestler. Great movie. Requiem for a Dream. Mother, I did not watch. I have no interest in that. Uh, I didn't like Pie. How about that? I actually never saw that one. All right, what do you got? I watched two things on top of all the fish movies. The Johnny Man doc was pretty good. I mean, it was, it was quick, but... And he had a quote there that... I believe very strongly is true. He said, when I got everything that I wanted, it was the most empty I felt inside. And I know people refuse to believe this, but this seems to be like a common thing. If you are very driven for money, fame, whatever, whatever your purposes that you're obsessed with, once you get it, like the chase is the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you get what you want, it's not everything that you expected. It's like, it's like a massive, Letdown. massive psychological blow.
1: I know you're not a big college sports guy, but he was an amazing college quarterback. And I'm not surprised he was a bust in the NFL.
0: I don't know why I watched this one, but I watched the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard doc. What's that on? Netflix. Okay. I was saying this to Josh. You know, what's incredible about Netflix. You don't, the, the shows that are top 10, they just pop up. It's not like, you don't like see advertisements. Just, yeah, there's no marketing. The advertising is on the platform itself. That's it. Yeah. It's genius. They just, they yeah, advertise on the works. platform and it works. So I they watched should, they it. They should
1: probably add more top 10 lists. Like they have the top 10 movies and TV shows. But if they added more top 10 lists, it would drive more. If they, they could drive more stuff if they wanted, I feel like.
0: So the biggest takeaway from, for me from watching that is just how vile social media is. And there's a, there's a strong opinion. Basically everyone took Johnny Depp's side because he's famous, I guess, and other factors. Which is kind she of surprising because
1: he's a uh, not a great guy no, by all accounts.
0: No, she did, and you know she. There are parts where she admittedly did not come across well, but it was so one-sided, so so one-sided, and the social media like just people spending their entire lives following this and making money off the, it. It's just like really gross to watch and uh, not great. You remember not, my
1: uh, in my don't fall for it. I wrote about. Hunter S. Thompson and Johnny Depp and how Johnny Depp blew through all his money and he was spending $3 million a month on wine.
0: Wild. Pretty good. Wild. Not bad. Guy likes to party. Um, Okay. See, he would drive the Acura NSX. (laughs) AnimalStartsPod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.